What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Too Much Test Podcast, episode 20. I'm Tester Levels. You can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube under those names. I'm joined by Sam Stolt. You can find Sam Stolt under that name, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. And we have a very special guest, someone that I've been wanting to talk to for a while, someone that has done a lot of stuff that you may not even know for men's health. Very interesting guy, very smart and it is Mr. Nelson Virgil. So Nelson, where can where can the people who are listening to this find you? Well, first of all, let me thank you guys for having me. Um, yeah, uh, where you can find me, excelmail.com. It's one of my sites. Uh, it's probably around 12 years old. Uh, 40,000 men are chatting every day. So it's a lot of information going back and forth. And I have at least three of them that are posting the latest studies. I have a lot of uh, geeks and nerds. Uh, testosterone and beyond, you know, men's health. So it's a really that actually I keep updated because of their work. So that's excelmail.com and also discountedlabs.com. I sell uh, blood tests online nationally without the need to see a doctor. We provide the prescription too. So you can get your testosterone checked, your hormones. There are panels like TRT panels, uh, not only for men, but also women's health, uh, women's uh, hormones. So. And I want to touch on that real quick. And that's really, that's really an interesting business because, and I was thinking about this this morning, I was thinking about stuff for the podcast. I was like, you know, we live in a free country, right? But I have to go to someone else and ask their permission to test a hormone that's in my body and other stuff. And I have seen lots of guys say, well, my doctor won't get me tested for testosterone. And I'm like, what, what is their hangup? Why would they not let you do that? It's not like they're paying for it. And so on your site, you can I can just go on, I can order labs, you guys send me the lab order, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, they go through Quest, is that correct? Yeah, the closest Quest uh, diagnostics, yeah. They're all yeah. over the country. I think that is an extremely valuable service. Um, you know, some people's doctors just don't believe in this stuff. They don't, they want to do the bare minimum, and so if anyone wants to, go down to discounted labs and, and get some labs. If your doctor's yeah, tough you know, or they don't want to write for what you want, hey, here it is. And I did a lot of thinking already, so I put together panels, uh, bundles. You know, if you're going to get on testosterone, a pre-testosterone, it's pre-TRT. If you're on testosterone, TRT panel. If you're looking at your thyroid, so if you have fatigue, this is the fatigue panel. If you have erectile dysfunction, the ED panel. So I tried to really make it easy. Um, most most of these tests, you know, the bundles I know about because doctors are prescribing them. But And one thing before I, we, we continue the United States of America, and I'm obviously by my accent, you can hear I'm a foreigner. I'm from Venezuela. I've been here forever, 35 years, 37. I'm a U.S. citizen. Love this country. We also have the privilege to be the only country in the world that has direct-to-consumer options, where a consumer can buy blood tests, a consumer can buy a diagnostics test, a consumer can buy many things that you can't in Canada, you cannot in the UK, you cannot. So we are the in the developing in the developed world, the only one that has that flexibility. And I know a lot of people complain about our insurance system, healthcare system. Obviously, we have a lot to repair, but we have that luxury where a patient, a consumer, can directly buy things and take charge of their health without having a doctor's visit. We do provide the prescription. You need a prescription, but it's already included in price. So anyways, I just wanted to say that because some people think we're in a horrible place sometimes that healthcare sucks. 
But really, um, when it comes to a cash-based system, like, um, you know, I'm blood testing, I don't take insurance, but my prices are the lowest in the country, lower than copay sometimes. But when it comes to healthcare in this country, we have horrible things, obviously. You can go broke if you get really sick. <laughs> but we also have this flexibility that if you if you can access, you, you can actually get it. And I, I get emails from Canada where people are saying, why not in, in Canada? So... I just wanted to say that. I don't know why, but it's because we have flexibility here. Question, question on that. So, like, we have people who are listening who are in the TRT community, but also people who are in the bodybuilding side, which is more of, like, TRT might be, like, center, right? That That's, like, in the middle road where, like, bodybuilding is more on the extreme. Not necessarily everybody, but it, there's a lot of people who are also brand new. When somebody is thinking about, doing TRT and or doing something like a cycle for bodybuilding that they've never done before, what would be in your pre-blood test? Just some of the things that you'd have in your panel. Yeah, that's a great question. I actually have a bodybuilder panel and a, a comprehensive one and a, and a basic one, depending obviously on your... So I also created a bodybuilder panel, which is not very different from the TRT panel, but I added certain things. By the way, I um, wasn't a bodybuilder, but I, you know, I used to do steroids back in the days. I wrote a book about nandrolone, which is decagrabulin in for HIV wasting on the clinical side, obviously, because I'm HIV positive, been so for thirty some years. And back then, we're dying of wasting, and nandrolone, uh, which is decagrabulin or deca, basically saved our lives along with testosterone. Obviously, it's a combination. So. Um, so I have a lot of knowledge on the bodybuilding side when it comes to cycles, <laughs> not because, um, you know, so I don't really judge or anything. actually I think the smart bodybuilders are those that uh, do some, use anabolics and also check their blood tests and check their blood pressure because that's one of the biggest issues, uh, the kidney function, liver function. And that's where the bodybuilding test, bodybuilding test, which is probably the most popular has because what happens in bodybuilding is that when we check for kidney function, sometimes our kidney function looks low, like EGFR or the creatinine looks really high. And it's the fact that we are working out, so muscle tends to increase creatinine. And we also, some of us are taking supplements like creatine that increase creatinine. So doctors freak out thinking that your kidneys are collapsing or, you know, uh, malfunctioning when in fact is, it's because we're taking supplements, right? So I added something called cystatin C, which is a kidney test that has no interactions with creatine supplementation. So you can see really your, your kidney function. So there are many things, little things like this that unless you're a really educated physician in the athletic bodybuilding world, which, you know, most of them judge, um, don't know. So they tend to freak out, you know, about or liver, for instance, you see an AST or ALT, liver function increased, and doctors don't know that when we are doing resistance exercise, breaking down that muscle, working out, our AST and ALT actually go up. So they think, oh my God, your steroids are really killing your liver. So I include something called GGT, which is uh, a test that actually is very specific to the liver. So that really tells us. So the cystatin C for kidney and the G, uh, GGT, so uh, the GTT. So, so doctors don't know that either. So they freak out with the liver, they freak out with the kidneys, et cetera, et cetera. So you have 
I created a bodybuilding uh, panel for that. And I explain it on the side, on Discounting Labs. That's fascinating. And I like that because that's what people in this community, at least I appreciate that level of detail to go through to the next stage of like being the expert or the master in that. You, you mentioned that the, your site forum, right? There's 40,000 members. Um, what are some interesting insights that you're able to see at the macro level, whether it's trending words or, or new compounds mm-hmm. that are coming out or just insights? I'm yeah. super curious because you yeah. have such a macro view on that that we don't get yeah. to see. Yeah, and I, I, I check my site once or twice a day. I, I do have five guys that make my life easier because they're the moderators and they're even more geeky than I am. Definitely more. They win. They win. Um, yeah, man, I, I see keywords coming through because I also do my analytics. And uh, the number one keyword right now is crashed estradiol. Mm-hmm. Uh, men taking too much anastrozole and crashing their estradiol. Uh, their estradiol zero. So they complain about no libido. They complain specifically about lack of sensitivity in their penis. They may get an erection, have sex, but they don't feel that, you know, they don't, yeah. you don't, you don't feel the friction and the act. Um, <laughs> that's the number one and some mood disorder. So that's number one. Uh, right now, there's a lot of interest because we do have two products that are oral, oral testosterone. So there's a lot of interest in that, oral testosterone that are not liver toxic. There's also a nasal spray, um, a testo, that is twice a day, but guys are interested because it shows that it doesn't really decrease your fertility. So there's, there's a lot. I mean, there's so much going on. I just every day, uh, one of the guys his username because so, it's all anonymous. People I'm like, well, I'm the only one that shows their name. But um, that's a good thing. You anonymous, you can talk about anything. But anyways, he um, posts daily the studies. I don't know where he gets the studies from because he's not a neurologist or anything. But the latest studies that, that daily. It's, it's a, if it wasn't for him, I would completely not be up to speed. And there's so much, so much going on. And it's not bro science. It's actually science. Urology has changed. We have in Houston, where I live, uh, Dr. Lipschultz at Baylor College of Medicine, who has around 17 fellows every six to eight months coming through, medical students that are about to graduate, you know, finish their and he's a machine, man. They're producing and very open-minded. So they look at nandrolone, oxanolone, testosterone, uh, peptides, um, you name it. So u- urology is now starting to publish a lot of stuff that used to be French just three, four years ago. So that's what I'm excited about because for me, where I come from, all this stuff about anabolics and peptides were kind of like French bro science. And now in urology, they're starting to publish papers on, on it. So, hey, who knows? Things are changing, man. <laughs> and so I have a and Dave, real quick, I just wanted to mention Dave came I, I, on. Like, literally, as soon as we started talking about, like, like comprehensive bodybuilding blood work, Dave, like, popped up on the screen. Like, he knew we were talking about it. Yes. <laughs> My but I did want to touch on real quick. Um, you mentioned fertility. Fertility is a big thing for men on TRT. You know, as guys are getting on TRT younger and younger, fertility is a key thing they're thinking about. Yeah. And I think you may know where I'm going with this, um, with HCG. Um, HCG has basically been reclassified as a biologic, um, and there's very few compounding pharmacies that can make it. And Empower went down. Um, Hollandale went down. So now 
there's a huge population in this country that does not have access to HCG. And I think Nelson, if I'm if I'm not if I'm incorrect, let me know. But were you or someone else in your group re, uh, re, responsible for that uh, compound hormone alliance that were where you could go online and auto send the email to your like senators? Yeah, and stuff? Well, I created a site and a nonprofit called Hormone Access Coalition. <laughs> a little long, but I like the word coalition. It comes from the world of HIV, uh, and everything we created was coalition. So they were afraid of us in many ways back in the days. You, you're too young. you guys are all too young. But we used to block, we used to block traffic. We used to chain ourselves to Wall Street, and and they were afraid. And uh, sometimes fear it's, it works, man, when you're desperate. But anyways, so I created this uh, website called HormoneAccessCoalition.org, uh, where you can go in and and send an email to your Congress people because by your zip code the software finds who your representatives and senators are. And also I have already set it up so that the same emails is sent to the FDA. So what happens, I'm going to try to be quick, obviously, because it's kind of complex, but in 2000 and um, 2000, actually nine, they passed, um, Congress passed this bill and the FDA to, to improve the access to biologics. Biologics are basically like insulin, ACG things that are produced, um, you know, from a biological, they're not pills, they're injections, right? And they wanted to improve the pricing and access. But what the FDA did is an ACG, for instance, human chorionic gonadotropin is an analog of LH, which is one of the hormones produced by the pituitary gland to stimulate your testicles to produce not only testosterone, but also sperm. It gets shut down by TRT. It's a long story. I'm not going to lecture, but let me just give you a little background. So ACG what has been produced for 30 years as a generic. The patent expired decades ago. Um, some compound pharmacies have been making it really cheaply for forever. For I don't know. I started this work in 92, and they were already making it. So, um, so that was cool, and we thought they were going to be grandfather so that they wouldn't touch it, they would include them in the biologics. So they didn't. They just said from actually last April, they gave an ultimatum to a bunch of the biggest pharmacies. They always go for their biggest ones. The Empower is one of the biggest. Hollandale is big. And they said, that's it. You have to sell your inventory. And from now on, you have to apply for a biologics licensing application to the FDA, obviously, there are high fees for that and long process, lots of paperwork and blah, blah, blah. It's basically like applying for a new drug. For these generics that have been made for years safely, has not been a safety issue from compounders, all kinds of compounding, from the small ones to the big ones. So that really was, I was shocked that instead of improving access and pricing, they just closed that loop. They're asking all these small companies too, to put out thousands of dollars, all the legal fees, all the paperwork, and wait probably a year or two if they get approved for a BLA. And they have to come in and inspect their facilities. So basically, they're putting compounding pharmacies at the same level as big pharmaceutical companies. So I, to be honest with you, I've never been against the FDA because I, uh, I was an HIV activist and we were very, we have friendly um, relationships. We got a lot of access to things that saved our lives. I'm, I'm alive because of that. So I never had a, 
a negative relationship with the FDA, even though people hate the FDA in general. But this is a different group, a biologics group. I, I dealt with other, all the kinds of people that were no, more more comprehensive. So this group does not get it yet that they, that us, like men with uh, on testosterone, that use use HCG on top of you know in combination to keep the fertility going or to keep the sperm count going, have actually now you have to go to a, a Walgreens, and now the price has gone up already. It used to be a generic one hundred and thirteen dollars per ten thousand I use. Now it's going up to like 330 and there is no inventory. There's back quarters everywhere because now only the pharmaceutical companies or three of them can provide it. And obviously prices are going up and the, the back quarter issue. So we, we are having, and some farm, compounding pharmacists are still selling it. They're selling their inventory, but they're going to get hit. I mean, people say, well, they have, nobody has a BLA. Nobody in compounding has a BLA. Empower apply. It's going to take them a while. Hold on, they've already applied already. That's going to take a while. So what I'm saying, to summarize, go on hormoneaccesscoalition.org. Please, we've had 8,900 people already sign up and send their emails. Hey, let's see. Will this work? Maybe. But at least let them know, senators, representatives, and the FDA, that you have been using this product you, you don't have access anymore because really a lot of guys on Excel mail, and that's how I find out how things are happening, are going to the pharmacy, Walgreens, getting a prescription from their doctor, and they say, well, we don't have any. So the inventories are gone. HCG is very important. HCG, I love HCG. I'm not looking for fertility. I'm 63. I'm a gay man, so I'm not, never really <laughs> is not. But I do look for sex drive. I look for sex drive, and I have to say, and this is not a bias. People say, oh, you have strong biases. No, I've been doing, I've been using ACG on and off for now eight years. And when I don't use it, I don't think about sex. Okay? So for me, because I'm an old, old fart, right? I'm not a youngster like you guys. I need it. Otherwise, I just may as well turn off the whole sex. So it is not only a fertility uh, product. It's also for a lot of Man is also a libido um, uh, product. So, anyways, I think I, I can stop now. Uh, do you think Nelson? I do have a, I do yeah. have a question. Um, this is a micronutrition question. I'm not sure if you're aware of the research on it. Uh, vitamin E is currently being used at, to improve luteinizing hormone production. Have you yourself used vitamin E at all? Um, because even in fertility protocols or guys coming off testosterone replacement therapy, it is a great way to get luteinizing hormone back online with potentially out HCG. Just curious if you've heard anything. If you are off, if you're off TRT for a while, that we know that how long it takes. So in study show, it takes at least six months if you're lucky to regain some of the sperm count you had at baseline. Some people didn't have good baseline sperm counts. So, yeah, there's some, some data on coenzyme Q10. There's some data on carnitine. So, um, it, you know. It may help, but it's it not. May help, but, you know, and, so, and we can talk. I mean, obviously, we can talk about 100 things and talk for 10 hours. I really could talk for 10 hours. So don't, don't challenge me. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you can say, hey, you know, PCT, uh, PCT protocol with clomiphene and tamoxifen, little ACG, which we don't have now. And then, you know, bring in carnitine, vitamin E, um, and improve, you know, the chances to recover faster, which we don't have any data on. But, yeah, I mean, there are lots of antioxidants. I don't take vitamin E. I mean, vitamin E, um, don't take it. 
just when I saw the data on, on smokers, um, that those who were taking vitamin D have um, higher mortality, but obviously, you know, it's not a meta-analysis. So I don't, I take other things, but I don't take vitamin D. Okay. Anyway. There, was, there was a study I found, um, probably like 50 guys or something, and they did HCG for three days, and then they gave them vitamin E, about 500 milligrams per day for eight weeks. Then they did HCG again for three days post. And so beginning it, they went from say in the 400s to maybe mid 500s. Post, after the eight weeks, their testosterone levels, their free and their total were higher. But then the interesting thing was when they did HCG for three days, the impact from HCG was double or some magnitude much greater. And I was like, that's fascinating. Yeah, I hadn't seen the data. And actually that's really cool. That's very cool. Um, maybe the antioxidant effect on and on the Leydig cells is preempting and actually improving the response. That's actually a good uh, maybe even combining with carnitine. Carnitine has good data and coenzyme Q10 okay. have good data on sperm improvement in sperm counts in men because um, they're all antioxidants. Oh. You know, it's, it's all about. So yeah, that's oh, I like to see the study, but that looks that looks like something we could use. When we have HCG again, <laughs> although, you know, as I said, many people have uh, what happened uh, a few months ago is that when um, um, telemedicine uh, clinics and found out that this was going to be an issue, they they took care of their patients by refilling for six months. So April last year. So the six months is basically already starting to happen mm -hmm. where people are running out of their stuff. So that's why we probably haven't heard as much, but we will soon um, on people freaking out about their, their lack of ACG access. Anyways. I wanted to throw out a quick question. You had mentioned that. So that's, that's kind of, is that kind of how, that's kind of how you got into like the men's health things was the, you know, the HIV and, you know, was, I think that if I remember correctly, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that they were, they were trying to like, they were getting rid of like stuff that was working like Nandrolone and stuff like that and trying to give, give you other stuff that was pharmaceutical. I mean, it, it sounds very oh. kind of similar parallel to these past few years, oh, but yeah. I wanted to kind of jump wow. in and ask, um, you know, how does DECA help uh, men with HIV or women yeah. with HIV? How, mm -hmm. what is the mechanism in that? Well, Nanolong is just, um, you know, it's just as good as testosterone and probably doesn't have any, as much androgenic effect. So we need something to increase lean body mass fast because a lot of us, I, I was down to 140 pounds from my usual 165. I'm a short guy. I'm 5'8". I weigh, uh, right now I weigh like 191. But I used to weigh like 165 back in the 80s and I got infected in 87 when I got to this country, 86. Um, and then obviously started losing weight like everybody else around me was dropping dead and my partners, I had to bury two of them in bones. They were big guys and they're shrank into, you know, basically uh, bones. It's hard for me to talk about this, by the way, but I'm going to because obviously it's part of the story. Um, so, um, you know, I was freaking out. Everybody was... I was an engineer at Shell in LA, and people were already asking me at work if I if I was okay because I looked a little, you know, <laughs> sick. So I was freaking out because I was in the in the closet, not only about being gay but also HIV. Oh. And and back in the nineties, uh, back then they would fire you if they found out you had either. So um, I I was like, oh man, uh, I came to this country. I'm I have a, finally a good job. 
So I, I became obsessed. I was a skinny guy, never interested in bodybuilding, never did. I mean, at all, at all, zero. Um, and then I started hearing about this guy, Dr. X. You guys are young, but in Muscle Media 2000, that was a really cool magazine that we had back then, a bodybuilding magazine that uh, was owned by, uh, what's his name? The guy that sold uh, the HMB, uh, the EIS. Um, anyway, so this Dr. X was writing about the use of steroids and he was HIV positive, how he saved himself from wasting, HIV wasting syndrome, which is the decay of uh, muscle mass. Uh, and for people who don't know, it's that the immune system needs muscle. Uh, T cells, you know, CD4 cells, the, the, not the, the fighters, they're the directors of the orchestra. They need nutrients. The immune system needs to eat. And the main source of one of the main nutrients is glutamine. Glutamine is stored in muscle mass, not in fat. Fat saves you, obviously, for <laughs> calories, but the nutrients for immune function is glutamine. And we were, HIV was, and the immune, you know, activation was destroying us, just basically waiting, like wasting away, losing weight, diarrhea. You know, we were, within six months, you could see somebody was big and handsome to basically um, really wasted and something and, and all that. But anyways, so I said, well, man, I need to do something. And I started really looking at bodybuilding and uh, found out I was in LA. I was saved by the fact that I was in Los Angeles, which still um, I hold a very special place for LA because I, that's where I was a mecca of all this knowledge. And, and I found out, hey, do you read about Dr. X? And when I read, it's like, wow, this... I want to do this, but this is bad for the liver. And I have friends that said, no, we have some stuff from Mexico. And that's how I started. They gave me a shot of that guy with testosterone. And within a week, I, I gained 10 pounds. And within a month, I gained 35. Because obviously, I was on a deficit, right? Yeah. Uh, and so when you're on a deficit, you gain fast. So everybody at work said, man, you look great. Everybody said, oh, me. So obviously, <laughs> I'm safe. And I, they're not going to find out about this thing because I, I was terrified. I didn't want to lose my job or anything. So anyways, so I, I became obsessed. I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Forget engineering. Forget this. This is, I was a preacher. I wanted to preach. I wanted to save everybody. So I wrote with Michael Mooney, uh, who, who I met in LA, and he's amazing. He helped me write Built to Survive. That book, you can find it free. You can download it free. Built to Survive. Just Google Built to Survive. Uh, PDF and you download. But anyways, um, so I wrote that book about my experience and Deca, and we we referenced it with 300 references, so doctors could be okay with prescribing. So a lot of the doctors were starting to prescribe steroids for HIV and seeing right away. Doctors were freaking out. Patients were dying in front of them. You know, nobody wants. So they started prescribing Deca testosterone. They called it the power cycle. I created this cycle. It was called the power cycle. It's basically, pyramid. So the power cycle, the power cycle. So everybody was getting steroids, even even ladies. We did studies. Then I had to convince the the government to do studies with taxpayer money on testosterone, Deca, and Anavar, Oxanolone. We did that too, and we did large studies to prove that it was safe in women and men. We did a female studies too. I was part of the research protocols. I became obviously that was my life, man. I even, I even, you know, told Shell. I came out and say, "Hey, I'm, I'm positive. This is my new mission." My boss says, "Man, go home, man. We'll take care of you." 
just do write your book. Um, so I had actually really a lot of support. And then I started preaching. I preached, uh, basically preaching. I got on the plane and started doing slideshows with uh, the transparency. You don't remember, oh, you're too young. The transparency projectors on, you know, whoever wanted to speak, whoever wanted to listen. So I became obsessed. I was going to save as many people as I could. And I think I did save a lot of people in 92 to 96. Everybody was doing steroids. <laughs> and, and so we, we were able to expand. It was not a pure, but we were able to to expand our lives so that we were here for 96, 97 when the new drugs came in, which really saved our lives. So it bought us time. I would have died maybe in 93, like many of my friends, you know. So for me, it was like, this stuff is great. This stuff is life-saving. Come on, the stigma. I know, you know, there's a lot of stigma, right? Talk about stigma. You know, we have more stigma than that. Actually. So I, my goal was, hey, let's try to to destigmatize this by educating doctors on the fact that there are safe ways to do this. And, 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 and I believe that everybody should be free to improve their bodies or their whatever, their self-esteem, their, the way they feel if they're not hurting anybody else, okay? And they're not costing anybody else money. Okay, that's my philosophy. <laughs> so, so you know, I do believe that the time will come. It's already happening. Nandrolone is being prescribed more and more for joint healing. Um, the time will come. I'm not predicting, like, you know, marijuana or even psychedelics, which are arriving faster than. Mm-hmm. But the time will come. I give it 10 years when at least Nandrolone and Oxandrolone, which are FDA approved. They're both FDA approved. Uh, will be used for more purposes for MS, lupus, arthritis, uh, aging in general, muscle cachexia. Um, so, you know, I may be not around because I'm 63. I may or may not be around, but I do see it already happening in urology. Things are happening. Things are changing. But it mostly comes from compounding. Okay, And I want to repeat this because uh, Nandrolone is not produced by pharma. Like you mentioned, they dropped it around 2003, which freaked us out, freaked me out. I even had petitions, everybody signed them. And that's when I realized I, I was approached by compounding. Say, hey, Nelson, we saw you online that you guys are needing Nandrolone and the pharma uh, dropped it. We're going to do it for you. So that's how I got into compounding. And that's why I have such respect for compounding. Can I ask you a question? Because you're talking about (laughs) taking um, steroids for muscle wasting. Now, the big one that brings a bell with me, because um, it's fascinating, by the way, how you went about that process and your story. Like, thank you for sharing that. Um, Growth hormone. When did growth hormone come into the equation? Because they were doing the 18-year serostem bottles, and they still do them today. Um, when did that come into the equation in reference range with you? And how did everything pair together? Because that's the big drug that I know. And I watched Dallas Buyers Club, which was fascinating, by the way. And I would actually be curious to see your standpoint on that, because I'm sure that you had some inter- interjections and crossroads yeah. with all that. So I've been really yeah. curious. Yes, yes. Good question. Uh, I, I, they, I've been blamed for trashing serostin in my book, in my Build to Survive book, and I have good reasons to trash it. 
Um, Serono for us was an evil company. Serono was the, the you know the one selling serostim, which is you know human growth hormone, um, and it's actually become the gold standard. What everybody really, you know, it's not prescribed anymore for HIV. It used to be for HIV wasting. But what we found out and through studies is that a lot of the gain, the weight gain, was water, water, intra and extracellular water. The quality of the muscle, unless you use it with nanolone or testosterone, the quality of the muscle was not there. So, uh, and we were, we were horrified that they were pushing for six milligrams a day because obviously they wanted to make money, which mm-hmm. was an overdose. And, you know, the main side effect of that for 20% of HIV positives was diabetes that was irreversible. It's crazy. I mean, they were pushing, we, we need, you know, one milligram, maybe. I talk about milligrams instead of I use, I forget. I think, I, I don't, I forget. Anyway, so um, that was crazy. We, we, we wanted FDA to make it stop or at least, you know. So anyways, so I never, it was back then, $6,000 a month. Um, insurance companies were paying for it because it was a proof of HIV wasting. But um, people are having arthralgias, um, carpatonal syndrome, uh, body aches like hell. I could not. I tried. I could not use it. Uh, you know, I guess I have antibodies. There's such a thing as antibodies to GH. Um, but then we have great data in 98 that it actually solved another one of the problems we had later on because our problems did not stop. You know, we had HIV wasting. Then obviously the new meds came in and we all got better and the steroids and stuff. And then we started building too much fat uh, in the visceral cavity. So we all call it the the crixy belly or the protease belly. So we were like, you know, uh, and we were wasting. We Our faces started sunking in again and our butts were sunking in again because of one of the drugs we're taking burned the fat under the skin and some other drugs we're taking increase the fat in the visceral area, which is the internal cavity, uh, which is, you know, that's where a lot of the bodybuilders have fat when they have the, the, the belly, the muscle belly. But I have that too. But anyways, GH, serostim at two milligrams a day was the only thing found effective to burn the visceral fat. So in a way, it kind of evolved from six milligrams a day wasting for to two milligrams a day for uh, lipodystrophy, we call this problem. But the FDA did not approve it because of the diabetes issue that really caused a lot of problems. So it was not approved, even though it's the best thing you can use to burn the organ fat, the visceral, which is surrounding the organ, which you cannot reach with liposuction, by the way. That, there is no way to do that because it's very risky to go that deep. So anyways, so see, I can, I can talk for your head off for 10 hours, guys. So uh, you, you, you tell me how much you want me to talk. So <laughs> Nelson, Nelson, thank you for sharing your story. I found that fascinating. And um, for to just put it into perspective, you like today we talk about drugs, uh, like with fucking strangers, right? We're, we're on different parts of the country and we talk about steroids openly or testosterone and peptides. Like to put this into perspective, back in the 90s, it was not only taboo to be gay, it was taboo to talk about steroids. It was also taboo to have HIV. So this took a tremendous amount of strength and effort internally for you to over, because everybody's like, this issue, this issue, this issue, like, 
everybody must have been that must have been a very like interesting time it wasn't it wasn't i didn't have an option man you know what i'm trying to say do not screw with men that have nothing to lose and women <laughs> do not i tell everybody the politi- politicians the fda do not challenge people that have nothing to lose Okay, and that's that's we were that's what we were. So for me, I've been I was already on the internet in ninety three, ninety four. I had my website, metabolics.com then. Uh, I didn't care. My poor family, poor things are Venezuelans, Latino, obviously a little they have to deal with it. I mean they're supportive, but everybody in Venezuela that knew me, oh my god, Nelson is an ace activist, blah blah steroid, steroid, whatever. So yeah, but I never really it never, I never really stressed out about it because I was too focused on preaching. I was traveling all over, I, spending my money, did a nonprofit. I opened a clinic in Houston. There's, when you're that busy and they have that much focus and passion, you have no time to think about what people think. Uh, besides, everybody loved me in my world anyway. So it's, it was kind <laughs> of like everybody was being loved by people that my partner would say, God, I cannot go out with you because everybody was like, oh, you're the... Power guy, the power cycle guy, you're the builder. So back then, it was a big deal. So I, you know, when you're in the middle of it, thank God, you have no time to feel shame or I'm, you can Google my name and it's all out there. I didn't have time for that, man. And I never, maybe I was lucky. I didn't have the hate. I never have had hate. Uh, maybe because I don't know. I have no idea. People, and now I'm working mostly with straight men, 95% of my audience. And and they all love the, the triumph story. Everybody wants a story of where you're def- against all odds, you know? And everybody needs to hear that because every one of us has a story like that. You know, whatever it is in your circumstance, obviously mine was completely extreme, but everybody has and against all odds, meaning you're, you you have to start testosterone because you're depressed. Your life sucks. You you cannot even date. I mean, I, I see so much suffering on Excel Mail. And then you guys have come in. Hey, guys, you know, I just, I can't keep my job. My girls just, you know, it's all this suffering as men, straight or gay, man. This is, has nothing to do with sexual preference, where we, as men, We've been programmed, obviously, to be strong, not to cry, and to not share much, take care of stuff by ourselves. And I'm so glad, at least online, people can reach out and and get all that information without exposing their names. Although I have a Facebook group, it's 22,000 people, and they they don't care. They're, they're posting all their lives there. I was like, okay, they're posting their blood work, and they're telling about the fact that they can't, you know, they can't get an erection with their wives. Like, Okay, but anyways, so I, I do believe that men, all of us, have to stick together at least on what we can do. And you guys are doing it, obviously, podcasting, videos, because there's a lot of need out there, man. And a lot of men are not talking to their friends or best friends because obviously everybody's like, well, that's a, you know, unless, you know, you talk about a Viagra or Cialis, right? Okay, everybody's taking but testosterone, but you know, it's changing. I'm already seeing the stigma, guys being more like you, you know, all of you are open about it, right? You're not thinking about, hey, somebody's gonna and somebody criticizes you, who cares, right? Right? 
Because you're not upset. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, never, it's never an issue, man. When you're already, you're, you have that passion, that focus, that and you know exactly. You will get up in the morning, you know at least one person is going to be benefited from what you do. Nothing else matters. <laughs> you know, it's kind of crazy. And I was just kind of thinking, you know, I mean, like, you know, me, I was, you know, complaining, oh, I'm tired. You know, I need to get, I need to get my testosterone checked. I'm tired. I'm having a hard time working out, you know, and, and Nelson's over here, you know, losing, you know, 25 pounds, you know, risking losing his job, um, you know, risking dying because I mean, imagine how hard you'd fight to get TRT if if all those situations were there, you know, and I see, see a lot of guys and I know it's hard to get on TRT, but I see a lot of guys and they're like, ah, it's 150 bucks a month, you know, for a clinic and this. And Nelson's over here fighting for his life to get TRT back in the, in the you know 80s and 90s. And another thing I wanted to mention is that, you know, the first time I ever heard about HIV, I lived in New York. I was young. I was like four or five at this time point. And I remember the first thing person associated with it was Magic Johnson. And I just remember as a kid, just from hearing stuff on the news that it was like a, it was like a death sentence. And, and, and in lots of situations, it was. But what's interesting now is that you said, Nelson, you're 63. I mean, I've seen pictures of you. You're in fantastic shape. You're big. You've got veins on your forearms. You're in better shape than me. It's just amazing that, you know, it went from being just a death sentence to now you're over here thriving, you know, freaking jacked and juicy. And I just find that amazing. And I mean, I'm assuming you attribute testosterone and DECA and stuff to. Yeah, I stopped stopped DECA six years ago and, you know. Due to mostly blood pressure, uh, I think every man, bodybuilder or not, if you want to try things, you hit a wall, either as you age too, as you age, it gets worse. In my case, it was blood, uh, blood pressure, and um, I didn't want to take too many blood pressure meds because they have usually sexual dysfunction-related problems. Um, um, so, yeah, and um, but I don't know where I was going to say, but, yeah, that everybody hits hits and we can actually now move into side effects and stuff a lot of guys are struggling when they go on testosterone with hematocrit with uh, blood viscosity and there's a lot of people saying you don't have to manage that or monitor and okay we'll talk about it later but that's the number one side effect of testosterone increased red blood cell production the proportion of red blood cells is called hematocrit Hematocrit um, uh, has been linked, uh, the high ones, like over 54, 5, 6, has been linked to cardiovascular disease, more uh, blood pressure increases with um, stroke and uh, clotting, et cetera, et cetera. We don't have any data on men on testosterone being followed by um, for hematocrit and who are donating blood or doing therapeutic phlebotomies. Not a single study has followed them, even the best wow. researchers. But I'm seeing a lot of problems. That's it. The biggest problem I'm seeing right now is that guys are being told by their doctors to go donate blood too frequently, and they lose iron, ferritin. Ferritin is the iron storage um, protein in the body. So they lose, every time we donate, we lose like three points of hematocrit, not bad. We're always trying to get, uh, but we also lose around 40 points on ferritin. We lose a lot of iron. And if you, if you donate it more frequently than two to three months, um, you tend to decrease your iron stores, 
so much that you start feeling the opposite of what you used to feel on testosterone. So guys are like, I'm feeling, I'm feeling tired, man. I don't have any sex drive again. They, they go back probably even worse than how they used to feel. So that, that is the biggest problem I see right now. I have to tell guys, um, you know, you, we have to be more careful. I, I do have a blood donation panel <laughs> on this kind of labs because I'm always thinking, okay, what can, and where you actually can measure your iron, ferritin, and saturation before you donate just to make sure you're safe there. So that's the biggest thing I'm seeing, uh, that some doctors are saying, no, you don't need to monitor. Let it go up as Isaac. You can. Some guys go up to 60. If you have sleep apnea, you already have a problem because sleep apnea is basically you starving your brain and your body of oxygen at night. So what does the body do? Produce more red blood cells to try to capture some of the oxygen that you know they can capture. So you produce more red blood cells without testosterone if you have uh, sleep apnea. If you have sleep apnea and start testosterone, it's a really dangerous combination. Many doctors do not check or ask their patients if they have possibly sleep apnea through, you know, they're snoring really loud. They wake up in the middle of the night in sweats or gasping for air. Their wives or partners complain that, you know, they keep them up all night. Um, if you have high hematocrit before you start testosterone, you should not be put on testosterone. That's, a, that's actually a contraindication because it will get only worse. So either you get a CPAP machine or do the sleep study, bring bring that down, oxygenate your body more um, before. And that's the number one mistake I'm seeing right now. Okay. So I'm going to stop here so you can ask questions yeah. before I keep going. David wants to ask a question. Yeah. So I, this has been burning at me since he talked about blood work. So I'm big on blood work. I'm a bodybuilder. Pete knows it. Pete's laughing because I talk about it all the time. Sam's laughing because I talk about it all the time. You said... C-cysteine, great test, by the way. No one tests for it. CRP is phenomenal to test for. It's an indicator for heart disease. Kidneys, renal, and heart go hand in hand, and no one looks at it. When you want to fix your heart, look at your kidneys first. If you can fix the kidney, you can fix the heart at the same time. It fixes your cholesterol profile or triglycerides at the same time. Bam. Another indicator that you also didn't bring up that I thought was that I was actually curious if you want to bring it up is more tracking because blood glucose. So I think the two killers when it comes to steroids is the silent killer's blood pressure, which you brought up, but I'm going to take it a step further and give, give you a little devil's advocate with it too. And I'm gonna, it's, a, it's not a challenge, but I'm, I'm curious to see if you've heard of it. And then, um, okay, Tomasartan. So I'm going to bring up a drug for hematocrit. Now, so you talk about blood pressure medication, so we'll go there in one second. The C-reactive protein, awesome test. Your C-reactive protein is high and you're running a cycle. Stop that cycle right there and come off. Bring yourself back down to earth. Blood pressure and hematocrit. Hematocrit is a very contradicting subject when it comes to steroids because there are some studies, not well studied, but some studies in young people who are in their 20s and people that are in their 50s. And when you're in your 20s, it seems like there's not a threshold that really keeps climbing. It just kind of comes and it might raise a little bit and just stay steady. In older adults, what they have found is after three months, it will continue to climb and then it hits a stagnant point. But once you hit the 120 days when the red bolts all die back off, then it seems to kind of level out and say steady. 
Now, I completely agree with you. There's this weird 30% threshold that you hit and just skyrockets your red blood cell count, and then you actually have to donate. Telmasarn is being linked now, and one, it improves cholesterol and improves heart functionality, the ARB, and that is what I have implemented in my just TRT. I have no blood pressure issues. I had random edemia after one of my shows, actually, and I implemented 20 milligrams of Telmasarn. My edemia and my ankles completely went away. Um, I cycled up. I was uh, 300. I, I went from a 300 milligrams of testosterone up to a total of 600 across the board of everything. And I had edemia issues. Again, I took it with 40 milligrams. It knocked it back down. And I, my hematocrit levels, I'm pretty sure were starting to rise a little bit. So circulatory issues weren't as good. Increased up to 60 milligrams. Went away. My hematocrit levels usually stay around 54.5 every single blood work. And I want to bring it back down. So I, I was on 40 milligrams and I was like, all right, let's take the 60 milligrams. So I think as my hematocrit levels were rising from the increase in testosterone, um, which is from EPO usually, I believe, right? Um, then I, I try to bring it back down with Tomasarn and I feel great ever since I've started using it. Are you familiar with some of the studies that I'm bringing up as well as have you looked at the implementation of an ARB to assist in the controlling hematocrit levels? Yeah, yeah. Actually, they they um, they give ARBs to patients with kidney, um, you know, dysfunction, CKDs, yeah. uh, to and that actually once you improve kidney function, you tend to improve also red blood cells. It's all connected there. But yeah, the um, ARBs or even ACE inhibitors um, tend to have a stabilizing effect on red blood cells. Um, some a lot of my guys swear by grapefruit extract. Um, um, they also swear, swear by Losartan. Losartan is an ARB, ARB with some data on hematocrit. So I know guys are combining Los, Losartan, which is an ARB. It's a blood pressure med. It's probably the most friendly. I think every bodybuilder has blood pressure issues should be at least on Losartan yep. uh, or any of the ARBs. It could be any, as long as you don't get, obviously, the the problem with ED, erectile function versus even ARBs are friendlier. They're so friendly. I have an article on what blood pressure meds are friendlier. And usually ARBs are on top of the friendliness. Um, the beta blockers are on the bottom. The, and, and getting and diuretics, you, if you take diuretics, you can also have ED and insulin resistance. So so the ARBs is definitely the way to go for if your bodybuilder have blood pressure. And you may actually have a stabilization of hematocrit because there's actually a little bit of data on that. I take Losartan and, uh, and I take a low dose of, uh, of diuretic uh, three times a week because I do, as I got older, um, the water retention is definitely, I gain like two pounds. I inject twice a week testosterone. And again, two pounds, I measure my weight every day. So PTSD from the past, I guess, from my body. <laughs> um, but I do see a two pound change in water retention when you inject testosterone. There's a little, in my case, as you get older, uh, side effects are usually stronger. Um, um, the young guys like you, you can, you can, you have more room to play around with things. When it comes to hematocrit, we have less room because we also have atherosclerosis our blood vessels are not as opened up of yours. So we obviously, more viscosity tends to affect us more. Uh, although there's some guys online saying that hematocrit is not a problem because people in high altitudes, high, high hematocrit. So therefore, we should not care about hematocrit. Their doctor's saying that too. They forget to say, if you, I'm an engineer, chemical engineer, 
you have to know about fluid dynamics, when you're in high altitudes, you also have lower atmospheric blood pressure. What does that mean? You're exerting less pressure on blood vessels, so the, the vessels expand. So, and people in high altitudes, I, I've read all the research from the Peruvian Andes and the Himalayas, they go up to maybe 57, 58. They don't go up higher. If you go any higher than that, it's because they do have sleep apnea or issues like that. So that generalization that somebody on the sea level is the same as somebody in the Andes um, when it comes to hematocrit is, is really like, well, they're doctors saying that, so they're obviously not engineers. So <laughs> that's when I say, no, it's not the same, man. So anyways, uh, let me so, not digress because I can... Yeah, I can awesome. well, that, so that actually t- kind of ties in. So you, you mentioned... Um, the hematocrit being is like the biggest thing that you see. So I, I feel that I see that a lot, but I also see not talked about as much as blood pressure, but I think it's just because people are like, oh, I'll do my blood work. And, and it's almost like a side thought for some people to do blood pressure. I'm not sure why, but I think blood pressure is a big, a big issue. And then when you were mentioning the that information, made me think of, is there almost like a could we think about it like a safe scale for the hematocrit that is inversely related to your blood pressure? So the better blood pressure you have, potentially speaking, I right? Wish, you, I wish you could do a screen a screen share. By the way, by the way, another plug. It's free. Nobody pays for this. I have a book. Well, it's a slideshow of four hundred slides. Okay, I put together like a book because that's the slideshows I used to use back in the days was training doctors. So you can download, it's called Beyond Testosterone. One day soon, maybe this year, will become a color book. Beyond Testosterone, you can download it by going to excelmail.com. There's a tab there that says free book. Download it there, it's 400 slides. There are probably six slides on hematocrit. And there's a curve there that shows um, uh, hematocrit uh, on one side and blood pressure on the other. And there's definitely a correlation, very strong correlation. There's also another one, hematocrit and viscosity, blood viscosity. Also a strong correlation there too. So yeah, a lot of guys know that hematocrit is high because they have high blood pressure. They just feel like and pounding some, I don't know if you've seen bodybuilders are working out, they get a little purple and they get really purple. That's right, blood cells. Yeah, they feel like headachey. Um, yeah, and yeah. So, but what I'm telling you, uh, it is good to donate blood because you're giving blood to the world that needs blood. Mm-hmm. I cannot donate. My blood is a, is a hazardous waste. But um, Or if you cannot donate, and there are many guys that cannot because their hematocrit is already too high, and there's a break break uh, point of 52, I think, 53. They don't accept you as a donor. Um, mm-hmm. Have your doctor actually order a, a therapeutic phlebotomic, which is donation. But instead of keeping your blood, they, they throw it away like hazardous waste. And sometimes you're charged the fee, but anyways. So um, sorry, I, I tend to um, I tend to go beyond your questions. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, side effect wise for hematocrit, the only side effect I really noticed is when mine started to get a little high. I noticed that my hands and feet would would get that pins and needles go to sleep easier. So if like I set like my forearm on like you know like a counter or like an edge that was sitting like right here, you know I'd start to notice my fingers uh, fingertips would get that tingly feeling. And just, I've told them this before, but I've, I'm sure you've seen on Excel Mail, lots of guys say like, 
after that blood donation, I just felt like there was just like a weight lifted off my chest. I just felt so much better. I could breathe easier. And this time that I did it is the first time I've ever felt that. And it's the first time I've put it off a little bit too far because of the holidays and Christmas and New Year's and all that. So when I went there and I sat up, I was like, wow, okay, that feels pretty good. I was, It was amazing because I've never felt that before. And I could never correlate with what these guys were saying online. So guys, donate your blood, do your blood work. You got it. This is, you only get one little vessel of to live on this beautiful planet with all these beautiful things and interesting stuff. So you got to take care of yourself. And if you donate, I don't feel better, uh, feel worse than you have probably you've lost too much iron. I get, you know, I have one of these wireless, this thing, this gadget is great. It sends uh, the blood pressure to your phone. It's obviously not, the cuff is not big enough. By the way, there's such a thing as a, bias for bodybuilders have bigger arms we need bigger cuffs otherwise our readings are usually 10 points higher but um if i had to do it all over again nobody's ever asked me that question if i had to go back to my youth i would measure my blood pressure more frequently uh i would keep an eye on that more than anything uh back then yeah i have to say it we can obviously talk about the second the second problem which is the biggest obsession and TRT is my biggest one seller in blood testing is uh, estradiol. You know, and this kind of last, my number one seller is the estradiol ultra sensitive or sensitive estradiol test. Even though I have a lot of videos telling people not to freak out, not to worry so much about estradiol, which is against uh, my business because that's <laughs> number one. <laughs> And they don't care. They just want it. And there's nothing I can say. I've said it for 10 years. Nothing I can say to change anybody's mind. But we can talk a little bit about that if you can, guys have any time. Can you, can you talk about, real briefly, like the, the regular E2 or like the regular estrogen test, however that is, there's, you know, LSCM or something, and then there's a different type of test. Mm-hmm. I don't remember, recall what it is. And, 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 